that's the hotness from back in the day right there live back in action streaming the internet on anchor radio this is the third and three podcast starring tricky nikki g damien the real deal adams and myself jason fearman aka the sports prophet on twitter this show is presented by the sports column and all the great work they do over there talking and writing about the games we love and the players we cheer for Give them a follow at the Sports Column and give our show a follow as well, 33 Podcast, and give us some five-star ratings if you want to. We're going NFL crazy today. We got full AFC rankings coming up. Mount Player Player theme of the week is what coach and or player do you want giving you a halftime speech? We are resurrecting the great debate. Yes, we are getting to it today. Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady. We're bringing it back. And even the third wheel, little Eli Manning, and he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. We'll throw him in there for his kind of trifecta in this whole situation. So, you know, we got knowledge with Nikki, a bunch of other fun segments we relate to sports. So sit back, relax, and strap on your seatbelt. It's going to be a good one. Likely to be a bumpy rankings road over here in the AFC. So rarely do we agree on the subject. And before we begin, let us say good morning to the team. Ladies first, as always. Good morning, Nikki. How we doing? Hi, guys. I'm doing good. Happy to be here. Beautiful weekend at the Jersey Shore, but uh, ready to roll. All right. Yes, yes. Having pretty good weather in Florida here for a change, too. It'd be nice to get outside. It's been raining for a while. Damien, what's good, my friend? What's happening? Doing good, man. Excited to have another show here on 3rd and 3. Arizona's very, very hot, so I'm inside. Yeah. <laughs> Don't blame me. Time of year where the AC, you really appreciate the AC. Like, you don't want to fall in love with an inanimate object. You need me during this time of the year in Arizona. Yeah, yeah, you do. I And I definitely feel you, man. Same thing. And, you know, even up where Nikki's at, I, mean, I remember the summer's up in New York, and it's not – well, yeah, we're, I mean, we're into it. It's mid-July. I mean, it's hot up there also, so let's not kid ourselves. But, yeah, we got a hell of a show. And, Dan, yeah, I wanted to tell you, man, you made me reminisce about wrestling – uh, with your post the other day, that was great. Like, which women's wrestler would you have? And you did break it down by the categories. I was like, oh, damn, China and Sable. And I remembered all those freaking – that was pretty great stuff, man. That was awesome. So a little uh, WWE, WWF, whatever you want to call it. That was good stuff by Damien on his show. Make sure you check it out. We'll give you the info on that later. But right now, we did the AFC rankings by division. Now we're doing full AFC rankings with the quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers. We threw a little defense in there, the best team. So we're going to talk about it. We're going to mix it up. we got a lot more to go. So let's rock and roll, guys. I'm ready to rock. And we always start with our quarterbacks over here. And I don't know if we're going to have a debate much at the top, Nikki. So uh, if you wanted to kick this one off and let us know what you're thinking about the teams, the quarterbacks, the AFC, what do you got at number one? Mahomes, I don't think there's any debate there, right? No. Uh, we basically said that last week. We were just like, yeah, Kansas City, moving on, nothing to say there. Um, after that, I went to, I went Ravens with Lamar Jackson. Um, you know, I think like we had talked about, the more off-season development he has as a passer, I think that's only going to refine his game. I went three, Deshaun Watson for the Texans, Cooks, Fuller, Stills. I think he can elevate their game. I know that that has to sting losing Hopkins, but I think if everyone stays healthy, they're going to be right there. Um, four, now that Cam Newton is at the Patriots, mm. I went Cam Newton with Patriots at number four. I think... I think the money he got was a little bit disrespectful, a little bit. 
Yeah. A little, I get just it, a little bit. <laughs> like, what are we getting with Cam? You know, we haven't seen him. I know he's coming off the injury. It's a win-win for the Patriots. But look, Cam is high risk, high reward. He's a former MVP, three-time Pro Bowler. I mean, the kid has got talent, and I'm excited to see him in the Patriot way under Bill Belichick. Five, you guys, I actually went with Big Ben here. I went with the Steelers. He's a proven winner. He led the league in passing in 2018, and my God, did the Steelers miss him last year. Um, I'm sure he's going to regress at 38, but I feel like we know what we're getting with Big Ben, and I feel like you got to show a little respect. Yeah, you know what? Maybe show a lot of respect because people forget the Steelers were right there at the end of the year. And you make a great point, Nikki. And obviously they were on their fourth string uh, quarterback, you know, going all the way last year. They had so many problems, but that goes to test- testament to how great of a coach Mike Tomlin is, number one, how great their defense was, which, of course, we're going to get into that category a little bit later. But, yeah, you got to think if Big Ben was there last year that they probably would have made the playoffs. So I totally get that. It makes a hell of a lot of sense to me, Damian. Yeah, no, it makes a whole lot of sense. And I feel like Nikki was cheating off my paper because I have the same exact five. Really? <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. Great minds take yeah, alike. So, yeah, Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Cam Newton, Big Ben, same order. In that so, exact order, you have it too, Damien, one through five? Yeah. Yeah, oh, wow. Like, unbelievable. How about that? You guys seem to agree. You're fine. Like, I, I have that same exact order, um, pretty much for the same exact reasons. You know, Mahomes, no argument. Lamar Jackson, most dynamic player in the NFL right now. We bring in the fact that he's improving as a passer along with his incredible running ability. I put a number two. Sean Watson, one of the best at making something out of nothing in the league. We'll see this year if his success was partly due to Hopkins. It's going to be very interesting. Um, Cam Newton, another just dynamic player who I think in that offense with somebody who's as creative as the New England coaches, he'll be amazing. And Big Ben, you got to put respect on his name for all the things he's done. And when healthy, we know how incredible he can be as a quarterback. And like you mentioned, that defense was very good last year. So Pittsburgh can be a team that can shock the people this year. Yeah, this is very interesting, especially the Deshaun Watson point, what he's going to be like with Andre Hopkins. That's a very interesting thing, and that's where I had a little trouble with the rankings. Look, guys, obviously I went Mahomes with number one, but if if you guys would have said Lamar Jackson number one, I really wouldn't have argued much. He's the reigning MVP, and I have him at number three behind Deshaun Watson. I think Watson just brings more. He's Yes, he's more experienced. He's a total package, but – then I think about Lamar Jackson and what he does. And of course, God willing, again, this is all him staying healthy and that's what we want. What he does, he's maybe the best single player in the NFL. So I can almost think about putting him at one, but look, Patrick Mahomes just got paid $5 billion and we know how great he is and what he does. So yeah, he's one for me. Of course, look, I went Watson too, but I can flip Watson and Jackson very easily. It was really tough. And I went Cam Newton for him totally with you guys. That changes a whole the whole dynamic of what we went through in the division earlier with the AFC East. The only difference is I went with baby Ben at number five and I went with Josh Allen because I'm looking for a big improvement with him oh. this year. Oh, yeah. Baby ben. Yeah. Like yeah he's to me, he's baby Ben and he's even a better athlete than him, which Josh Allen, you know, guys, I'm, he's not the greatest quarterback in the world. I know that I can easily accept that, but I just love his game and how tough he is. And, Again, just got to get better uh, passing the ball. Now you get Stephon Diggs over there. I'm looking at a better passing game to go along with what they got in the running game, which we're about to get into. So, 
Is it a problem, guys, Damien, that I put Josh Allen over Big Ben, do you think, at this point? Maybe because I'm going again with the youth, the health, and him looking to improve where Big Ben is on the decline. No, if you were projecting him to improve that much, you might want to pick Buffalo as a Super Bowl favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If he improves to a top five quarterback in the conference with that defense and the weapons they have, I have no problem with it. I can see where you're going with it with Big Ben being as old as he is. I just, you know, with Big Ben's history, I wanted to give him the, the benefit of the doubt. When it comes to his ability, you know. Well, I totally respect that. I absolutely do, Nikki, and you know, I'm. You guys make a whole bunch of sense, and you guys usually agree uh, more together than uh, I do. So, you know, it proves again that you guys are smarter than I am. You're smarter than I am. Where would you put this guy? I think that matters. Like, is he far down no. on your ranking list? Okay. No, absolutely not. As a matter of fact, he was the one I was wrestling with, no pun intended, Damien, okay. uh, back and forth with Josh Allen. Yeah, Big Ben, is he's still that good. I recognize that. It's just, what are we going to get? Are we going to get a full year? What What are we going to get out of him? So, Hall of Famer, yep, we'll see if he can make them a playoff team and when they play, if they play this year. That's a whole nother story. But, all right, good job at the quarterbacks. We're pretty much all on the same page for the most part. Um, let's see what we do with running backs, Damien. Why don't you start it off? So with running backs, number one, I got Derrick Henry, Tennessee. Uh, he, by himself, carrying a load. I always joke that he carried Tannehill to a big-time contract. Sure did. And he finally got picked. So I'm, I'm glad to see that uh, Henry got his, his money that he deserves. So I got Henry at number one. Number two, I got Denver. With the combination mm-hmm. of Melvin Gordon, Lindsey, Freeman, that three-headed monster, I believe, is going to be one of the best in the league. So I have it number two. Number three, I got the Colts with Mack and Taylor. I think they're going to be very run-heavy. They're not going to try to depend on Rivers too much. You're going to see those, that duo really flourish. At four, I got the Las Vegas Raiders with Josh Jacobs. He had an amazing rookie year. I want to see him improving and going forward. And number five, I got Baltimore with Mark Ingram and Dobbins. That running attack, which includes Lamar Jackson. Right. And yeah. With Lamar Jackson, his the threat of him running opens up so many holes for Ingram and Dobbins. So I have Tennessee, Denver, the Colts, Raiders, and Ravens in my running back order. That's a pretty good list right there. It's not like mine, I'm not gonna lie, but that's a that that's a pretty good list and I see why you went there, Nikki. I I, I like it. I like it. I do too. I think that's yeah. <laughs> We, are, we agree on number one, Derrick Henry, Tennessee. But after that, um, we're, I'm kind of, you know, we're all over the place. But um, listen, I agree with you. Tennessee, Derrick Henry, that guy just balls out, you know. And he got paid. Glad to see that he got paid. I actually went Ravens, too. Because if you remember, I said to you guys last time, I think our backfield is absolutely loaded, top to bottom, probably most talented. Mark Ingram, he just runs through people like it is nothing. And like you said, Damian Lamar will open up that running lane for them. I actually, um, Jay, you'd be happy about this. I'm giving Cleveland some love here, okay? (laughs) I'm giving Cleveland a little bit of love. Um, Basically, I'm giving Nick Nick Chubb love here at uh, at number three. They did revamp their O-line, all right? So I think that's going to help them out. They can set the edge now. Um, I don't have a ton of faith in Cleveland, but I do have faith in Nick Chubb. Um, And Guy's a beast, right? Like, he's just a monster. 
I went I went for I went Buffalo. I think that this running back by committee, I think they are so well rounded. Singletary can make people miss and there's gonna be a lot of opportunity for Yeldon and Moss and their run game is gonna be the focus. Five, I went indie. You guys know Pro Football Focus has ranked Indy as having the best offensive line for the 2020 season with mm. Marlon Mack and that group that they got there. I think that they're going to rely heavily on the run game, so I have them five. I think it's a great point. When you're talking about the run game, it's not going to work if your offensive line is not cohesive and not a great group. And, and like Nikki, you nailed it right there. That is the best offensive line. I don't even think there's really a question. You want to talk Dallas maybe a little bit? Okay, fine. There's a couple of good offensive lines out there, but they are clearly at the number one, 1A, whatever you want to put it. So that makes that running game that much better, Damien. So I get where she went with that, just like you. Yeah, uh, I saw her list uh, after she said Cleveland. I was like, oh. <laughs> I, was I was struggling back and forth with having Cleveland in my top five. So, yeah, I'm not mad at that list at all. All right. Well, I'm not mad at either of your list. Mine's, again, a little bit different. Uh, the one we all do agree with, Derrick Henry. He is a one-man show, but it doesn't matter. He proved that he can be. They just need to – look, just don't destroy this guy. I'm so happy he got paid. That's wonderful. But they do have to get him some help in the backfield. But he alone is fantastic. People forget that Nick Chubb was the rushing leader going into the last game of the season last year, and he didn't play as much as Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry ran for like 210 yards to get the lead. So I'm going Cleveland number two with Chubb and Kareem Hunt. This is I know you guys think all oh, this is the Cleveland love and everything, but it's really again the, I've told you the first time in my life that I'm giving the Browns love because I just think that it's finally going to happen for them. Not the Super Bowl, but again they're going to make the playoffs this year. I think they're that kind of team, and then a lot of it is based on the running game, which will open up the passing game, uh, which we'll get to with the wide receivers in a bit. So that combination right there, I love. As a single back alone at number three with the Raiders, Josh Jacobs, he is so damn good. It's unbelievable. Like I played with with really one arm for half a season last year and still did what he did. Fantastic. Four, Colts, backfield. And again, Nikki, with what you said, and again, emphasize with the offensive line, that's what puts them there. I could even put them higher with Mac, and I love uh, Jonathan Taylor coming in. And then uh, also went with the Broncos at number five, Damian. I'm agreeing with you there. With I know you had him ranked a little bit higher, but – yeah, Melvin Gordon, uh, Philip Lindsay. Yeah, I, I want to see more out of him, but bringing Melvin Gordon into that pack and letting those guys do their thing and they can both catch out of the backfield, I'm very excited to see Denver this year. And I know that we're all, you know, kind of hyped on them a bit. So Broncos, uh, there you go. So one, Derek Henry with the Titans, then I got Cleveland, then I got Josh Jacobs with the Raiders, the Colts backfield, then the Broncos backfield, uh, rounding it off at number five, guys. So we had a lot of the same teams in there, but not necessarily in the same kind of order, but Derrick Henry, we all agree, number one, right? 100%. I think, you guys, we need – okay, I'm saying it right now. I What is the – we're betting on Cleveland, all right, because Jay is so hype on them. And I I know he's not being super bowl, but we need to have, come up with some side bet and so what you think they're going to do because I just – I got to see this. I, I <laughs> well, we're definitely going to come up with something. We're, we're going to come up with a bet. There's no doubt about it because I am putting in the play, playoffs right now. I do believe in them. This year, again, I, wow. like I said, for so many reasons, they have so much great talent again. And I think finally it's like, guys, we're a team this year. They have so much talent. And look, I, the coaching staff, again, brand new like it is every year. But sometimes that can be a good thing. Maybe for the first time in 20 years, that'll be a good thing for the Cleveland Browns. So we'll see. We'll see. And we're going to talk about their wide receivers now also. They got to be in there somewhere in the pack. 
So why don't why don't you guys start out, Danny? Why don't you start out with the wide receivers, bro? We can do it by team. We can go by players over here. So I know we're going to mix it in a lot. Um, but let's see how we do this. Let's talk it out. Wide receivers, Damien, what you got at number one? Yeah, so I went with teams. And with teams, I had to go Kansas City at one with all the speed they have on the field. That just goes perfect with Mahomes, you know, Hill, and just so much speed. And Tyreek Hill has developed himself into a top five, ten receiver alone. And it goes along with Sammy Watkins and all the rest of the speed that's on the field with them. They're not just fast, but Number two, I got Cleveland. Mm-hmm. You mentioned all that talent. Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, like their tight end as well as a pass catcher. That talent's there, man. Baker Mayfield has to, to capitalize on it and show that he's not, you know, somebody who was overhyped. At three, I got the Chargers. Keenan Allen, I mentioned before how I have a man crush on him as far as just what he's able to do with running routes and his ability. Mike Williams is a very good receiver. They have a lot of talent on the outside. Four, I went with Buffalo. Oh, my God. Brown, Love Beasley as, you know, your escape route there. And five, I went with a surprise. I went with Denver. Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy. I think Judy's going to be coming right away and make an immediate impact. So for my five, Kansas City, Cleveland, the Chargers, Buffalo, and Denver for my five wide receiver sets. Dan, Damien, right there, bro. I was with you one through four the entire way. I'm just sitting here smiling and clapping at myself. I'm like, I finally agree with him. I can't believe it. Because I'm talking Chiefs and Tyree Killer number one. You cannot cover Tyree Kill. You just can't. I can spend an hour on the ways that you can't cover him. It's impossible. You just can't cover the guy. If he gets off the line of scrimmage clean, you're done. You're over. You could put three guys on him, and it doesn't matter. So I love it. I went Cleveland, too. Same thing. Keenan Allen, he's, you know, between that one and two tier. It's very hard, but he's so damn good. New quarterback in town, so I know that changes things up. But, yeah, him along with Mike Williams. And then Buffalo, Stefan Diggs. And before I want to mention, Austin Uber became the highest-paid tight end of the league, which is kind of strange, but he did have – I think somewhere in the neighborhood of 90 to 100 catches last year. So he can definitely catch the ball, no doubt. So a tight end four. Yeah, I went with Buffalo, Diggs and, and Brown. And then five, it was very tough for me. And I was thinking more like individual wide receivers as opposed to team. And I do like what Corlin Sutton and Jerry Judy can do. But I went with Phillip Rivers coming back, being the quarterback over there. No, I'm not expecting Rivers to be magical this year, but I think he's going to make – Ty, uh, T.Y. Hilton sees in a hell of a lot better if he can stay healthy. And other guys, uh, uh, rookies that are coming in there like Pittman and stuff. So I went with the Colts at five, maybe a little unorthodox there. But, Damian, I'm with you all the way, bro, in that one through four. So, Nikki, are you going to be the one that's going to bust it up right here or what? You know I am. <laughs> <laughs> if this is unorthodox, you're going to be like, what the hell is she smoking tonight <laughs> with her list? Let me ask you guys something before I run down mine real quick. Um, if we threw the NFC in here, do you agree that it would probably be at least number five or six before you threw an AFC team? Like, I feel like the NFC, you're easily thrown in the Saints, Dallas, probably Tampa Bay, uh, Atlanta with Julio Jones before you even get to an AFC team. Okay? I think you make a re- she make Damien. I think she makes a really good point with that. I I wouldn't go as far as maybe five or six, but when I was looking and I was actually thinking about the NFC wide receivers as well. Yeah, there's a lot more talent there at the wide receiver position in the NFC, Nikki. I, I do agree with her, Damian. Yeah, no, I agree totally. I, when I was doing the quarterbacks, 
I was thinking the same thing as far as the NFC having more talent. Yeah. Because when it comes to the AFC, once you get past those first three, it's like, oh, I'm going, oh, I'm already. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already picking Cam Newton at four. Right. <laughs> yeah, you said it, man. <laughs> Well said. That, yep, yep. All right, let me give you guys my busted up list here. Can't All wait. Right, here we go. All right, number one. Okay. I, I actually, I went Buffalo one. I know. Oh, I okay. know how do you not go Kansas City? All right, hear me out here. I know we got Diva Diggs, we got Brown, we got Cole Beasley. Look, I have watched Cole Beasley torch. I mean, absolutely. No, yes, it was the Giants, but absolutely. <laughs> for years so buffalo fans you're going to love him cole beasley you guys he's open on 77 percent of his targets over the past two years which is the best rate in the league okay Damn. brown uh-huh. is a great downfield threat with his speed and diva Diggs, this guy he just wins all levels on the field his presence alone is going to help the rest of this group i think they've got the most well-rounded receiving unit and buffalo there's no excuses for you at all Okay, two. Yes, Tyree Kill. He is fast. He is instilling fear in these opposing defenses. Here's where I feel like they fall a little short. Sammy Watkins. To me, he just never really quite got there. Um, and the big plays with him, they, they show up in spurts. So I feel like if maybe they could gel a little bit more, we could use him a little bit more. Hardman's probably taking on an expanded role. Look, they got the speedy group. They got fireworks. I feel like just when we start hitting number two, they're falling a little short for me. Uh, Three, I mean, on paper, again, Houston Texans, like, pressure is on them, right? They lost Hopkins. We got to see what they can do. They got a nice group of playmakers, guys. Fuller, Cook, Stills, can't forget about Cobb. Fuller is explosive Hmm. downfield, right? Cooks, he could be a nightmare. Four, I went Broncos. I like what they're doing there. Judy, you can line up outside in the slot. His speed and quickness. Um, Hamler, too. I, guys, I put them four because I think they're going to create a lot of mismatch. Oh, and I like that in them. And I, so I feel like you guys do. At five, I feel like we start to get muddled here. Uh, I feel like it's insert who's doing well for the next, like, few weeks here. But I I went Tennessee here. They're the second-best receiving grade in the 2019 season. A.J. Brown, he's a true number one. Corey Davis is really solid at two. Um, and if Humphreys, if he can get a full year of health, I think that'll complement the rest of the group nicely. I think that's so well done, Nikki. Really, you had me kind of mesmerized right there uh, listening to what you were saying. That that was that was that was really really good. The way that you broke it down and even giving numbers behind the facts and stuff, Damien. You know, I, I I'm not going to totally agree with that list, but you had me sold on a couple of things. That that was impressive. Thank you. Yeah, it was definitely a great argument for the list, right? So once she pulls out the numbers and she explains it so well. It, it definitely makes you think about your list and say, man, maybe I didn't do this right. Yeah. I, <laughs> that You know, that, that Texans one, Nikki, was a good one. Uh, you know, look, Cooks, yes, he's been on 17 teams in three years. I know that. But he still has got a lot of talent. I, I get it. And Will Fuller and the other. Yeah, so I, I totally – look, Deshaun Watson is the one throwing the ball to them. So I, I think it's a very good argument. And, yeah, now I'm kind of mad I didn't put them in at least at number five right there. That's, that, that, that's pretty good. All right, let's – like you're like an on- – 
you know, again, kind of like what you guys said with Cleveland, like on paper, like come on, guys. But you know, we'll we'll, we'll see. Yeah, we will. That, but I like that. Really good arguments. All right, nice. All right. Why we still we have time over here? We have time to do our defenses, and we haven't done that at all. So we're gonna go overall AFC top five defenses right now. I'm going to spit them out for you guys. Here we go. I'm not going to put a whole lot of knowledge behind it because we have talked about these teams in depth already. Ravens, number one, if they can get better than they did, again, with Calais Campbell, they're unbelievable. That defense is just incredible. They strangle you, much like the Bills, who I have at number two. They do the same exact thing. The Steelers at number three, if they didn't spend so much time in the field last year, they would have even been a better defense. I love the Steelers' defense. I love Mike Tomlin. Four, don't forget about the New England Patriots. That's the reason why they were a good team last year. It clearly wasn't their offense. It was going back to Bill Belichick, old school Patriot defensive way. That's how we win. So I got Patriots at four and I got the Broncos at five. Look, there's not a lot of household names in Denver. And one advantage they do have is when teams come there eight times a year, they have the advantage of that mile high. And it's a real thing. Players like Ryan Clark had problems playing in Denver, even in a playoff game. So they do have that advantage. Plus they have the players. You could talk about Chubb and Miller on the outside. Again, a lot of guys that aren't household names, but I like the Broncos defense a lot. So Ravens, Bills, Steelers, Patriots, Broncos. Damian, what do you think? Guys, I'm not mad at that list at all. It's a good list. My list has four of your five, and the order just a little bit different. So for my number one, I went with Buffalo. And number one, I think that defense is going to be just terrorizing teams this year. Two over with Pittsburgh, like you mentioned, if they had a decent offense last year, that defense would have been even better. I think this year we're going to really see that defense shine. Three, I went with New England. Like you mentioned, that was the reason that team was good last year. At one point early on in the season when their schedule was easy, that defense looked like well, it was going to be one of the best defenses of all time. Now, of course, it bounced out once it started facing better competition. Mm-hmm. Um, at four, I went with Baltimore. Um, just like you mentioned, what they added this year, that defense going to be really good. At five, I went with the Chargers. The Chargers yeah. are going to be adding back one of the best defensive players in the league at Derwin James. Yep. And when he's guilty, he makes your defense just 10 times better. And we're going to see it this year with that Chargers defense. It's going to be interesting. The Chargers have talent to be good, but they're just missing that one position. We don't know what's going to be the quarterback's going to be like. But everything else is there for the Chargers. Yeah, I would like to talk about that a little more in depth maybe in next segment uh, with, uh, with that quarterback position because I do like Tyrod Taylor. And I, I don't know if he's going to play all year because of Herbert. Nikki, I want to get to your list real quick. But, I'm, Damian, I'm just surprised that you had uh, the Ravens at number four. I mean, I knew they'd be in your top five, but yeah. I'm surprised you had him so low. I, I really was. Um, but uh, all right. But still, again, that goes to show you how good the AFC defenses are. And the Chargers, you made a great point with Derwin James. He's one of those guys just, uh, you know, what do you call him? Uh, uh, amphibious type of defender player where he can play anywhere, any position. He really is unbelievable. So, Nikki, cl- let's close out the segment with your defenses right here. And then we'll come back, of course. Yeah, no, I mean, you guys really basically said it all. Um, I went Ravens one. I mean, look, guys, you're talking AFC. You're talking defense. I'm going Ravens. This team is built on defense. Um, Two, I went Buffalo. I mean, they just are absolutely smothering last year. I don't think they let up this year at all. Three, I went Patriots. Like you said, I think people forget how good that defense was last year. 
they had a lot of versatility up front and I you know what they might regress a little bit but like I don't think it's going to be that much um four I went Pittsburgh and five I went Denver I think they got a really solid unit there so I think that's a really solid list because it's basically exactly like mine we just have the the, uh what do you call it the Patriots the Steelers flip that's it yeah yeah all right, yeah, that's the thing. AFC has got a lot of great defense. Seems like the NFC has got a lot of great offense, and that kind of got like uh, switched up in the Super Bowl last year until the fourth freaking quarter. Oh my god, I'm gonna have nightmares right now. I can't do this to myself. Okay, right. I can't do that to myself. Oh jeez. Oh man, we're, guys, we're gonna third and three podcast over here. We're gonna come back with best teams. We're gonna do a little bit of that real quick in the AFC to close it out. We got Mount Player Play coming up. This should be fun. Halftime speeches, Nikki. That was your idea. We got knowledge with Nikki, more fun coming at you. And of course, the great debate, Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady again. We're going to pull up some numbers. We're going to talk about it because they basically played in the same time period. I know that Brady's still going now and Peyton's already in the Hall of Fame and whatnot, but they basically were going head to head. It was Colts and Patriots forever. We're going to get into it, guys, in a lot more third and three podcast, and we'll be right back. Playing some sweet sounds for you right now as we get back into the third and three. Good. Feeling good. Sunday action, baby. (laughs) All right, we're back. Good choice, Nikki. I like that right there. Put put on a happy face. That's what I'm feeling. Happy time right now. Smiling. That's what I need. That's what I need. All right. Well, I'm smiling. We got through our AFC rankings. We went division by division. For the last few weeks, we finally closed it out with even adding in our defenses over there. And for the most part, we agreed. We did a pretty good job over there. And one conclusion we certainly came to, well, two. Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the world, and the AFC has got some really tough defenses. So we're going to see what goes on. And then Cam Newton going to the Patriots through a whole freaking new situation into it. So we'll see what happened with that. That's the AFC-NFC coming up next week. But we got more for you today, guys. You know what's happening. Third and three. We got knowledge with Nikki coming up. But before that, we got Mount Playa Playa. So let's do it. The theme for the week is halftime speeches. That could be either given by a player, a coach. If we want, we can go outside the box and say like Tony Robbins to come in there, a motivational you know, speaker in halftime or whatever, something crazy like that. But we're going to go mostly players and coaches right now and see what we got. So, Nikki, this being your wonderful idea, I would love to go to you first and see what you got. Throw in, whether it's a player, coach, whatever you want, your show. If I needed someone to give me like a halftime speech to get me through the rest of this like god awful year or whatever, uh, my number one, he doesn't exist, but you know where I'm going. Gordon Bombay, uh, look, if his <laughs> mighty duck speeches do not motivate you. I don't know what does. Like, look, I know it was meant to get, you know, a bunch of preteens all up and ready to go to be Iceland. I mean, he took this ragtag ah. of misfits, right? Yeah. And what do we get? Three championships. We got a D1, D2, D3. But if he, when he says in D2, ducks fly together, you know what? Ducks do fly together. And so do we for the rest of this year. If that doesn't motivate you, I don't know what does. <laughs> 
That is excellent. I had no idea you were going there with the first one. That's fantastic. I love it. I just love it. That's great. Gordon Bombay, when you said that, went right to those uniforms and those freaking ducks, man. That's beautiful. See? Good oh, ducks man. fly together. They yeah. do. They do. The flying V. You better not forget it. See? Yep. Good one. That's right. Don't mess around, man, Nikki. Good one. Good way to start. All right, Damien. Yeah, that's a very good one to start with. I'm going to go with a real-life character we're all familiar with, and he gets he's very passionate. He may be wrong, but he's going to be passionate when he's wrong, and you need that passion. I'm talking about Mr. Stephen A. Smith. Oh! <laughs> when he gets going, and he gets to using his big words, and he gets to sweating, <laughs> there's no way you're not going to be motivated. When he's telling you that that defense over there is blasphemous, that you should score every time, <laughs> you're going to go score. You're going to run through a wall. When he, he starts saying these big words and going off, and Stephen Smith, man, he's somebody who I can picture just leading you. And it's been reports of him giving speeches for certain college teams and stuff like that. So it has been used before, and I think Stephen Smith would be really good at giving a halftime speech. That's fantastic, man. I freaking love it. Absolutely love it. That's beautiful. You guys, all right. You guys went in two directions. I definitely did not think you were going to go, but I love them right <laughs> off the bat. I love it off the bat. All right. I'm going to go with the real life character also, and he is quite a character, but he's been in the NFL game for a while. He's not in it right now. I'm not sure what he's doing, but here's the deal with this guy. It doesn't matter what he says because you could barely understand him anyway when he's giving a speech, which is more like yelling and screaming at the top of his lungs and turning beet red and scaring the crap out of his players, and that's Mike Ditka. I don't even care what the hell he says. He can just run into the freaking room, smash lockers, yell at his players, throw chairs across the freaking floor like Bobby Knight or whatever. He'll scare the crap out of his players enough where they're going to go out there and do the job and beat the crap out of the Patriots in the Super Bowl like they did in 1985 and that 15-1 team. So Mike Ditka... I don't even care what the hell you're saying. Just come in there and act like a complete animal like you are, and I'm ready to go. That's a good one. For sure. Good How one. could you not be? I, I'll play for that guy. He's nuts. I'll play for that dude. Because I'm scared to do what he – if he doesn't. If, you know, if I don't play well, then I'm, I don't know what's going to happen to me. I don't know if he's going to, you know, cut me from the team or going to, you know, cut my eye out of my head. I don't know what he's going to freaking do. Guy's nuts, man. So I went with him with uh, number one because he scares the hell out of me. So – uh, who we got? Right, Nikki, you want to give us another one of yours? I do. All right. Now, my last, my next three are real people. Um, look, I, Michael Jordan, okay? Listen, Ooh, that's what scary. What is more motivating than somebody getting up in your face and telling you, like, stop pissing and moaning, stop focusing on everything that you can't do, and worry about what you can do? If MJ calling you out does not push you to greatness, I don't know what will. Yeah, I think that they, he's pretty much proved that also. When you can see with them six championships all basically in a row for the most part, Damien. So, yeah, that's another guy who can scare the hell out of you if you don't play well. Yeah, no, that's a very good pick. I had Michael Jordan on my list as well. So I'm going to go in a different direction. I'm going to go with another character here, but this one is one from a movie. Coach Tony D'Amato, played by Al Pacino. Ah. Any given <laughs> You don't like that movie too much, do you, Damien? You know how much I love that movie. His halftime speeches were epic. His speech that he gave to Jamie Foxx about being a quarterback and how it was leading gladiators. Just wanted to, made you want to lead people. 
I was I was ten years old. I wanted to go do something. Didn't know what I wanted to, do, but I wanted, to, but I wanted to do something after hearing that speech. So, Coach Tony D'Amato, portrayed by Al Pacino, somebody who have to have for the halftime speech. I like it a lot. Very, very good. Very well done. And you know what? I'm going to play off you right there. And this one, I didn't even have my list, but it came to mind as you were speaking about it and thinking about football movies. And Varsity Blues is one that I love. And when they kicked Kilmer out of the freaking locker room at halftime and John Moxon yeah. stepped up and took over basically as the coach team. I know that, uh, what's his name? Lance Harbor, uh, played by... Uh, Paul Walker, God rest his soul. That guy, oh man, that's a terrible situation. Hold on to the story. But um, Moxon got that team ready, motivated at halftime. He's like, screw it. The next 20 minutes are ours for right now. Not forever, for right now. We could be champions here at this moment. He got the hair standing on my body all over the damn place, and there's a lot of it. I got so. children now. <laughs> it, it was, man. It was a hell of a freaking speech. And, and, and kicking Bud Kilmore out was the biggest part of it. The locker room was dead silent in the room for about 15 seconds, and then he finally spoke up. I'm getting chills right now. Damn, okay, I can't talk no more. Shoot, that was so good. Woo, boy. Woo. Varsity Blues. Varsity Blues. Such an underrated football movie. It really is, man. I, I love that movie. That tweeter, the wide receiver, he's like five foot two. Got to be one of the yeah. funniest characters of all time in a freaking movie. He's great. He, he like looks in his shorts and he looks around. And he's like, looks in his shorts. He goes, what the hell is that? So I don't want to get too graphic on that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's a hell of a movie. Shoot. All right. I, I still got a couple more, but Nikki, let's go. Let's hear another one of yours. I'm enjoying this. Yes. Okay. Yes. No freaking doubt. I would follow Ray Lewis anywhere he told me to go. I love that guy. I would do anything he wanted. He should absolutely. He was on my list. He was actually one on my list, but I knew that one of you guys were going to say him. So Ray Lewis, I am all with no freaking doubt, Damien. Yeah, no, Ray Lewis. Like you mentioned, he might speak in some midway to the third quarter. Yeah. <laughs> Listening to him, uh, his Hall of Fame speech yeah, it was good. And know, sweaty. You follow him all the way through it because he just kept you captivated with his speech. So, yeah, you can't go wrong with Ray Lewis. Oh, God. Beautiful. Love it. All right, let's see. Let's get another one, uh, Damien. What do you got? So, for my next one, I'm going to go with Drew Brees. Ooh. Right? A lot of people don't think about Drew Brees as, like, this motivational leader. But when you watch his pregame speeches and he's uh, been able to – do different missions and different trainings with the Marines, and he's implemented that into his pregame speeches, into like the little chants that they do before the game to get hype. Yeah, and it's really good. It's yeah. always it's, the team always looks really good and ready to go after those speeches. Drew Brees does a really good job of pumping up the sights before the game starts and halftime. You know, he definitely does. I don't know what goes on at halftime, but you're absolutely right. In the beginning of the games, man, they do that one, one, two, two, three, three. I don't know what they're saying in the middle yeah, when they're counting, but it's awesome. I don't know. Do you know what they're saying, Damien? I don't know what they're saying, but it's awesome. It is. I ain't going to lie. 
I like that a lot. I have no clue what they're saying. I got all the numbers, one through ten or wherever the hell they go, but I don't know what they're saying in between, but it is good stuff. Yeah, I need that chant for, like, my alarm because I feel like that's yeah. going to really get me going in the morning. <laughs> no <laughs> doubt. Do this day. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you, I got another one on my list. It might be the last one on my list. I know you guys might have another one or two, but if somebody's going to get you to get up and get your day going and your whole life going, I, Arnold Schwarzenegger, okay? You talk about a guy – He's a guy who can, I mean, you talk about a self-motivated man who I mean, started out with just bodybuilding into acting into government, but he's another just motivational speaker. When you listen to him and he makes it sound easier than done, but he's, he is that never quit, don't give up, I can get anything done attitude, and it rubs off on people. We loved him in the movies, because not because he's a great actor. He's a horrible actor. It's because it was Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's just something about him. He's captivating. He's motivating. And look, he's done almost everything that you can do in life for the most part. So if you need a guy to give you guidance, Arnold Schwarzenegger, man, and no joke, I'm with it all the way. All right. That's a, that's a good pick. You may not understand what he's saying during the Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he'll definitely be motivated. You know, get to that top. Yeah, off. just he'll like, get out. Run in the field. Hit the other guys. X's and O's. Come on. Run. <laughs> hit them. It's like, I'm not a copy with you. I'm a football player. Get him. <laughs> Uh, Arnold might be my last one. I, I know. If, I think you guys may have another one or two. So if you do, Nikki, what else you got? Yeah, I got one more. It's a homer pick. I need Tom Coughlin to give me a halftime speech. Ooh. You know why? Yeah, because it's going to be simple. It's going to be heartfelt. It's going to be realistic. It's going to be uplifting. And if Tom Coughlin looked you in the eye and said, you must be vigilant. You must fight for every yard. Together, we are one. That's all I need. That's Ooh. it. That's the speech he gave the night before the Super Bowl, before history was made, which will launch Eli into the Hall of Fame, which we'll get into. Ooh. But Tom Coughlin's my last one. Ooh, nice job right there. Even with the tease at the end, I like it. Well done. All right. Tom Coughlin. Yeah, it's still, he's uh, you know 164 years old, but he can talk all right. Yeah. God bless. <laughs> Uh, Damien, did you have another one for us? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Damien. I didn't mean to cut you off. What did you say? Uh, as long as you're there on time or early. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. I like that. That's good. <laughs> All right. Sweet. Yeah, before we move on to uh, Knowledge with Nikki, I know, Damien, did you have one more for us or, uh, or are we done with this one? Uh, yeah, I can give you one more. Coach Herman Boone. Oh, yeah. He was portrayed by Denzel Washington in Remember the Titans. Yeah. You know, he was able to bring together, you know, two races who at the time when in that part of town, that part of the country was just not trying to get together. And they were surrounded by just hatred. And he was able to keep them together. Anybody who can do that can definitely get you motivated during halftime, during pregame. So, Coach Herman Boone. Yeah, that that was. I mean, look, we've talked about uh, football movies on the show, and you you guys know it's my favorite one. I love it. The whole everything around it, not just the football, but everything that you mentioned, and the way you know when I was talking, we did Mount Player Player a few weeks ago, and we were doing like sports uh, movie movie moments, and I went left side, strong side. 
I mean, that was like the coming together moment. And, you know, uh, Coach Boone, he sat back. He's like, no, no, wait a minute. Hold on. Let's see if they can work this thing out. And it worked out. And from there on, sunshine came in and everything was cool, man. So I'm with it all the way, bro. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Excellent. Now, player, player. We always coming up with something crazy over here. Great stuff. All right. You want to talk about scary things and like halftime speeches from Mike Ditka and Michael Jordan? I think knowledge with Nikki has turned to the scariest thing in my life because her questions <laughs> have been unbelievably hard, which I appreciate because I don't want any easy ones. But my God, has she gone to town over here on me and Damien with these questions? But you know what? I'm loving it. So it is indeed knowledge with Nikki time. Nikki, I don't know what you got up your sleeve for this week, but. Oh my God, am I excited to hear it. This is going to be out of control right now. I'm, I'm a little afraid. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. This time I'm going into it a little afraid. But we're going to rock and roll. So here we go. Let's do it. All right, let's do it. It's the AFC special this week, guys. Are oh, you excited? Extremely and terrified. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, feel, I feel good this week. You know what? I'm going to make a hot take right now. I think you guys need to go straight for three. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Maybe the astrological signs of lining up. I went, I think I went first, right? I think that's too high. I could I could steal this one, right? You can steal, yeah. I know we do, I know it's high, but I don't think it's that high. I think it's somewhere more. I don't know if we're gonna if you're gonna give us like a like a like a one point uh, what do you call it like radius over here? But I'm gonna say somewhere along the lines of like ten point three. No, fifteen point seven. Oh damn! Shoot. Okay, so right in the middle. Damn. Okay. Wow, fifteen point seven. That's a lot. That's more than I yes. thought. Yeah, hence oh. my ranking for the, uh, for the text. Yeah. <laughs> ah, very, well done. Well done. All right, cool. All right, All number right. two. House wins that one. Damien, number two. Which AFC team was the least penalized team, averaging 4.9 penalties per game? Oh, wow. Mm. Least penalized team last year. Well, we know it ain't the Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Good guess, though. Good guess. All right. So, again, it was the best. Uh, the best what? I'm sorry, Nick? The least penalized oh. team in the AFC last year. They averaged 4.9 per game. Um, I'm going I'm to say the Steelers. No. Shoot. The Colts. Oh, wow. Yeah, they're disciplined. Okay. Yeah, that, that that's pretty good. All right, that's a good question. I like that. I like that. Tough one, but okay. All right. All right, number three. Number three. Here we go, Damien. So much As for your prediction. The entered into the AFC Championship game. Derrick Henry accounted for what percentage of the team's total offense? Oh, wow. That's a good 
question. I know it was high. Yes. That's why I joke about him carrying ten hills to high kind of <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to say he accounted for forty percent of the offense. No. Uh, All right. I'm gonna go higher and I'll be happy if I get it within a, within a couple. I'm going to say, I know this sounds like crazy a lot, but it's just the way that their offense works. I'm going to say like 64%. Oh, so close, Jay. 69%. All right, all right, all right. I'll, I'll take it. I, I feel like, I don't know, David, if you're okay with it, I'd give him a point on that one. Yeah, no, that was really close. You get a point. Okay. All right. Thanks. Yay, I'll take yay. it. Yay. Here we go. Thanks for the gift. <laughs> Okay, let's go. Jay's up, round two. Here we right, go. First question. Pittsburgh led the league in sacks for the 2019 regular season. How many sacks did they have? Ooh, wow, as a team. Okay. Ooh, that's a hell of a question, Nick. That's a great question. How many sacks did they have as a team last year? Wow. I'm going to say... I could be way off with this one, but I'm going to go like... 52? No. Yeah, I'm not. Damn it. Go ahead, Damien. What do you think, man? I'm going to try and I'm going to go a little lower. I'm going to go 40. No, but Jay, you were super close at 54. I said 52? Oh, that was mad close then. Oh, damn. Okay. No, I'm glad. Yeah. No, Nikki, I'm no that good job out of you not saying anything. Because if he would have nailed it, then you're absolutely right. Then that would have been him all the way. So good job not saying anything. Nice. All right, here we go. Question number two: Which AFC team led the league last year with a field goal percentage of ninety-seven point one? It's got to be Baltimore. No, it's not. Oh my! Oh Jesus! Wow. Okay. Kansas City. Actually, Jacksonville. Uh, really? Baltimore's number two at 96%. Yeah, because I was thinking Justin. All right, you tricked me, tricky Nikki freaking sets. Why you have that nickname? <laughs> I, yeah, Justin Tucker, I was thinking all the way. Had to be, but okay. All right. What, they kicked four field goals last year, Jacksonville? <laughs> Good job, Nikki. Good job. I like it. Mm. AJ Brown, I think. Yeah, this is a sixteen point two. No. Ah. Steal. I'm gonna go with thirteen point five. No, twenty point two. Wow. Whoa. <laughs> wow. That did that lead the league? That must have led the wow, that's a good one right there. Damn, 20 yards per freaking catch. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. I gotta look up some of these numbers with like other guys like Tyree Kill and and stuff like I know he catches more balls maybe than some of the other ones, but uh, very good questions, Nikki. Well done. Good job, guys. Good job. Bad. All right, all right. Yeah, woo. 
Yeah, I got I got a little lucky with the numbers. I don't know. It was like astrologically aligned or something like that for me. Who knows what the hell happened? <laughs> Who knows what? But all right, Nikki, great stuff. All right, that was awesome right there. All right, listen, we're going to take a really, really fast break, and we're going to come back with the great debate. It is happening. It is Brady versus Peyton Manning and a little bit of Eli Manning coming up. But, Nikki, awesome job with the questions right there. Tough stuff. I'm still blown away by that Justin Tucker. Isn't he, like, the only kicker who's a 99 rating in Madden? And, by the way, all that Madden stuff, man, holy crap. I don't play anymore, guys. It's been years, but people are pissed off about these rankings, man. Holy <laughs> Yeah, that's low. Deshaun Watson, I thought, was low. What, they give him like an 86? And then they raised it, right? Because it was like an outrage among the media or something like that. So they, yeah, like, like I no, this is like no joke. He had like an 86% ranking. And uh, and there was, yeah, I mean, he said something, but a whole bunch of people said stuff. And they raised it up to like a 92 or something like that. And he deserves it or even more. But I don't know how many, like... Because this was coming up also on Twitter, guys, as we're still talking here in the third and three podcast. We're going to go to a quick break and we'll do that in a second. But we just got sidetracked here. How many of these guys get 99s, Damien? Because is Michael Thomas a true 99? You know, Julio Jones. I know Patrick Holmes has got to be. But how many of them are there? I don't know how many they are. I know that Michael Thomas got 99. I saw him celebrating on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's 99. I know Patrick Mahomes for sure is a 99. Um, Christian McCaffrey is 99. Oh. And, okay. yeah, I think defensively, Aaron Donald, um, I think, I'm trying to think if he's the only one on defense who got a 99. There got to be some other ones. Um, I'm probably not just thinking of right now off the top of my head. Uh, the middle linebacker for Seattle probably got 99 as well. But, oh, yeah, it's, it's very hard to get 99. So that's when, like, they get a 99, they really – celebrate it and they feel like they got the respect that they deserve yeah i mean you, i mean they, yeah, they don't give out 100 percent. obviously 99 is as far as they're going to go I, I would think that that's like the plateau like you give it to like one or two players maybe if anybody deserves because you're basically saying 99 you're the perfect player so basically all these 99 guys are in the hall of fame right now there's no debate nikki that's it you're the perfect player i guess done deal I guess so. <laughs> it's crazy. It is crazy. But I remember even when I used to play and I would be so pissed off. Like if I would use the Niners and I know I'm getting low rankings, like in the, you know, mid two thousands and stuff like that. I'm like, damn, man, I can't even use my own team because I'm never going to win. It sucks. But you know, the thing was, I was so good at that game that it didn't matter. I used the worst teams and I beat the crap out of everyone. That's the truth. I ain't going to lie. I was so good. <laughs> I know. I got, got to. I really got to now, especially that I'm I'm 40 and I do nothing all freaking day. I should start playing again. I got to get back on this. And you say Aaron Donald, Christian McCaffrey, I'm looking at them. They're both on the TV right now next to a guy who doesn't belong next to him. That's Dan Orlovsky. He didn't do so great running out of the back of the end zone with the Lions, but he does a pretty good job on TV, Dan Orlovsky. Not too bad. Not too bad. He's good. He's a, he's all right. That, I like when he's that Stephen A. Smith one was very funny, man. You know, you come in with right, bringing his thesaurus. I can imagine it, like reading all these crazy big words at halftime. Oh man, that's funny. All right, guys, we are going to take a very very quick break. Right back with the great debate, third and three podcast. Coming back at. You.
That's a nice song right there. It reminds me of that song a little bit. I'm easy, easy like Sunday morning. I should have opened up with that one maybe in the beginning. Oh, that's my bad. See, when you get old, you don't you know, think about these things till later. That's why I got to write everything down. Keep a pen and pen next to me all the time. Jeez, this is embarrassing. Me and my old self. What are you going to do? Third and three podcast kicking your ass. Here we go. Nikki, Damien, and me back in the house. We just had knowledge with Nikki. It was fun. I won, so I'm certainly happy about that. That'll make the rest of my day better. <laughs> Got to take this one down. Damien's been uh, doing a hell of a job. And Nikki with the crazy tough questions, man. Tricky Nikki at it again. All right, look, we've been teasing this for like like two or three shows already, and we always have so much material that we're spitting at you guys. We come up with all these other ideas, and we haven't got to it. But we promise we're getting to it right now. The great debate that has been spoken about in a little bit of time now because Peyton's been out of the game, but we're talking Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady. We're going to throw in a little bit of Eli Manning in there, or maybe a lot of it because we got Nikki here, so maybe more than we bargained for. But we got to get into this debate a little bit more. Look, we know Brady is still playing, but as we were talking about a little bit off air before, guys, they basically came to the league around the same time and went head-to-head for 17 years, whatever it was, as long as Peyton was healthy. First it was the Colts, then he went to Denver. So Peyton won his two championships. We know Brady's got six, been to nine, Peyton's been to four. There's so many numbers and things that we can go through. And for for me, got Damian and Nikki, I, numbers, yeah, they tell you a lot. They tell you a big story, but what my eyes see, you can't deceive. So when I watch on the field, Number one, in the beginning, I was nowhere near a Tom Brady guy. I'm not even talking about like even like top five. To me, it was Bill Belichick in that defense. And I even remember when they won their first Super Bowl, the AFC Championship game, Pittsburgh Steelers, they're playing in Pittsburgh. Brady actually got hurt in that game. I don't know how many people remember this. And Drew Bledsoe came in, drove him onto a touchdown drive. They ended up being Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, which shocked the hell out of me and a lot of people around the planet. But um, Belichick said, no, we're sticking with Brady. He's the one who got us here. And not a stellar performance at him in the Super Bowl, despite winning the MVP, throwing for, what, like 150 yards. And, yeah, great last drive and everything. But in the beginning, guys, it was all Peyton Manning for me, all Peyton Manning, because what I saw him do was come into a crappy team and turn it around basically right away. His first day, he threw a whole bunch of interceptions, but – when you saw him be that field general on the field at such a young age and everybody's putting Peyton Manning as like the number one quarterback in the league when he's 23, 24, that's what it was like for me in the beginning. It was no Tom Brady even in, in, in a thought for me. It was all Peyton Manning right away. And to me, and I'm going to throw it to you guys, the Colts wouldn't have been the Colts without Peyton Manning more than the Patriots wouldn't have been the Patriots without Tom Brady, if that makes sense. Damien, let me go to you first. I know I spit out a couple of different things right there, but I'm talking about from the very beginning, the get-go, it wasn't all about Tom Brady for me. It was the Patriots D, and it was Peyton Manning creating a brand-new offense, basically. Yeah, no, I agree with you. When you think about the first three Super Bowls, pretty much, it's Tom Brady was more of a game manager. I know we say that as a bad term. It's not a bad thing, but when you compare him to the likes of a Peyton Manning who was the system, right? And he showed that when he went from the Colts to Denver, the system stayed the same because it was him, right? right? And it was still successful. And in Denver, he was able to break records and put up these ginormous numbers along with winning with him being the system. With Tom Brady, 
he is a great quarterback. Don't you know? Don't get me wrong, but he's—I don't believe he's the greatest of all time. He's a great quarterback who has to play for the greatest franchise of all time mm. and for the greatest coach of all time. With Peyton Manning, he did have great coaches. Tony Dungy was great, yeah. right? Yeah. But he was a system, and he made a difference in winning and losing. With Tom Brady, especially those first few years, like you mentioned, it was defense, the running game, and he did mature into becoming the main reason why they won. You think about the years where, especially like that Randy Moss year, where you saw his full maturity come in. But he still was never someone who could just run the whole thing by himself. It was always Peyton Manning that was the system. Tom Brady did a great job of being great within the system, and I think that's the difference between the two. I think that's a really, really great way to put it because there's no doubt that Tom Brady came into a system and followed the rules of the head coach. And again, Tony Dungy, definitely great coach in my mind and a lot of people's mind, Hall of Famer even. So Tony Dungy, I love. But yeah, uh, he's not Bill Belichick and didn't have the team even. And again, when you talk about the team, football, ultimate team sport, Nikki, Tom Brady, especially in the beginning, and then we're going we're gonna to keep rolling on to it along with the years, had a much better team than Peyton Manning did. No, absolutely. I mean, you guys, you pretty much, that's kind of where I'm coming from too, Damien. You said it so well. Peyton Manning is the system. Brady excelled in a great system with a great story franchise, right? They don't call Peyton the Sheriff for nothing. And as a side note, God, I miss watching him play in his prime. Not that Super Bowl where it was like, oh, God, please, just, you know, <laughs> just hang it up. Um, but, yeah, so, guys, I, I think if, if Peyton was on the Patriots, I'm thinking, I'm thinking Manning, Belichick, they're mm. winning like eight Super Bowls. I think they win more than Brady, Belichick. Imagine if the Colts drafted Brady. Does this kid even get a shot? And if yeah. he does, right, I mean, I just feel like Bill Belichick had to pull the best out of Tom Brady. And I don't know that any other coach could have done that. Can you say they were just the perfect storm together? Yeah, probably. Probably say that about, you know, a lot of duos in the league. But I I don't think Belichick would have had to have pulled the best out of Peyton Manning at all. So I'm kind of with you guys there. Um, That's not to take away from Brady's greatness, but I think he just excelled under the Patriot way. And if he went anywhere else, I don't know that we even see the Tom Brady we see today. And I'm excited for this year because I think we're really going to get to see, was it Brady? Was it Belichick? Now that they have separated, um, I think a lot of interesting debates are about to happen. And I think that's a really interesting point, and that's one that I've said also. If Peyton Manning had been the quarterback instead of Tom Brady on the Patriots, we'd be talking. We'd probably be talking about Tom, uh, uh, excuse me, Peyton Manning as the GOAT. So I can see those situations being reversed and it working a hell of a lot better for Peyton Manning. So that's another argument. Now, here's one against Peyton a little bit that I certainly noticed, again, just watching throughout their careers, especially in like the mid-2000s, you know, and then going into like 2010 type of seasons when, you know, uh, the Colts started to get better on defense. They started improving their team. It would always come down to the fourth quarter. My problem became with Peyton Manning was that he was not as clutch as Tom Brady, and that's the truth, all right? Tom Brady didn't have as good receivers as Peyton Manning. I'll give him that. I'm also going to give Tom Brady more 
cool under pressure, calm, whatever you want to call it. But it seemed like you just always knew that they were going to get the job done. The Patriots offense, when Brady got, again, older, more, you know, again, more into the uh, later 2000s and whatnot with that team when it wasn't just all about their defense. I felt like Brady became the more clutch guy, and I did not have anywhere near the amount of confidence as I did as Peyton Manning being the one to come back and bring the Colts to beat the Patriots. And that has been proven time and time again, watching them go head to head, you know, their one regular season game, and then they met in the playoffs so many years. So I have seen Peyton Manning throw interceptions when they're on the five yard line in the back of the end zone to, you know, like a Rodney Harrison type of situation. I never saw Tom Brady do that, Damian. So that's a point in their careers, mid career, getting a little bit later where I started to not flip, but think a little bit differently. Yeah, I definitely can understand that point. Tom Brady does have, especially when it comes to just reputation for his playoffs performances and when it comes to his clutch moments of being better than Peyton. I do think Peyton's playoff, um, I guess, lack of moments or lack of good moments is a little overplayed. Uh, I think his, his playoff stats, when you look back at them, do show that he was good in the playoffs. He just had big moments where he didn't come through. Right, and you know, memorable ones like the interception against the Saints in the Super Bowl, things like that, that just stand out to you. Right. Tom Brady is also less pressure on Tom Brady because he's always had a great defense. Uh, if it's not great, very good. Like for the twenty years that he played in New England, sixteen of them, he had a top ten defense. Mm. Just think about. Yeah. A top that makes 10. a difference. It really makes <laughs> yeah, a difference. For, for 16 out of 20 years. With Peyton, he might have had a top 10 defense, but oh, maybe four or five times. <laughs> right. Like, it, it definitely wasn't close to the amount of times that we saw it with Tom Brady. Now, of course, the biggest one is Peyton Manning had a great defense the year that Nikki mentioned where he was no longer himself anymore. Mm-hmm. So hopefully maybe that made up all the years that he had to carry the offense with those defenses that were just okay. But having a great defense or a very good defense makes it easier for you not to make mistakes because you know what you have when the other team gets the ball. If you're trying to force it and you're trying to score, that's where mistakes can happen, and that's what we saw happen with Peyton Manning. I think that's a great point, Nikki, that he makes right there. It does. I mean, pressure is so much, and that's not something you can see or measure. It's just something you can feel, and people can tell you about how much pressure they do feel. And now Peyton wouldn't come out and say that. he was The only time I ever saw him blame anybody else was our damn drunk kicker, Mike Vanderjat, when he missed the, uh, you know, the field goal. You know, otherwise, he was very rarely you – know, Oh, my God, that was great when he said that the Pro Bowl. Was, oh, man, Mike Vanderjad, geez. Like, come on, dude, are you kidding? That play, I mean, going back to that, and you see, that's another thing. I know that was that was around 2005. They play in Pittsburgh. The, uh, the Colts had a bye. I believe they were the number one or number two ranking in the uh, AFC. And Pittsburgh and Ben Roethlisberger come in there in their defense, and they do a number on them. And Jerome Bettis fumbles the freaking ball on the one-yard line Picked up by Indy, going back the other way, and somehow Ben Roethlisberger stretched freaking Armstrong, and his arm extends out twenty yards and tackles uh Nick, Nick Harper, I think it was the cornerback for uh, for Indy who picked it up. And Pittsburgh, st- that game, the end of that game was unbelievable. You guys remember that? That was sick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do remember that. That was a crazy game, and that's a lot of times when we talk about quarterbacks, we forget to mention the plays that are outside of their control. True. Right? And um, some of those plays where the Colts come up short, 
if Peyton's not in the game, sometimes it's the defense that just didn't do their job or it's plays like that where Ben Roethlisberger is able to tackle, you know, I believe it was a cornerback who picked up the fumble. There's no way you're thinking Ben Roethlisberger is going to catch this cornerback, and he did. So playing yeah. like that, we have to remember when we talk about quarterback. That's why I don't like using Super Bowls to rank QBs. Like, it should be about their individual performance. And Super Bowls can be a part of it, but it shouldn't be the whole argument. Absolutely. And I think that's such a strong point to bring home to everybody. The Super Bowl thing, you, you can't do that. And that will even lead into Eli Manning. Look, no offense to Nikki, but nobody's going to say that Eli Manning is a better quarterback than Dan Marino. And so that, and I'm not saying that you're saying that, or I'm not saying you're saying that. I'm just saying in general, people will, well, he never won a Super Bowl with this. It's a team sport more than any other. So I don't measure it either, Damien, by Super Bowl rings or playoff wins but when you're the quarterback of a team yeah you're looked at more generally in that direction Nikki so I do understand where that all comes in yes I do understand it and I guess we'll get into it when you guys are ready um (laughs) you make a really really great point I think what we're all essentially saying is you know Tom Brady had the benefit of an amazing coach a great defense generally like even if the Patriots are pulling wide receivers off the street, they're going to be great. So in that sense, there's less pressure on Tom Brady. Peyton Manning had to do more with less. And I guess it just depends how you want to weigh that out. Yeah, yeah. And again, pressure is something that's very hard to weigh out. So yes, that clutch thing, yeah, sure. That can have a lot to do with knowing, like you said, guys, Damian and Nikki, that you have a great defense or at least a very good defense that you know that you can rely on, that you don't have to make every single play and score a touchdown on every drive like it felt like the like the Chiefs had to do uh, last year, you know, being down again at halftime in every game. So they had to score 50 freaking points, and you knew they were going to do it. It was just a matter of how they were going to do it. And as the movie – so Peyton had more injuries, obviously, a lot more. You know, Brady, that was one of his things. He managed to stay on the field except for when he got suspended for a deflate gate. You know, that was pretty much it. Otherwise, this guy's healthy and, uh, you know, tore, tore his ACL in you know 2008. The team still managed to go 11-5 and five with Matt Castle. So that's another yeah. point you could bring out where it's the yeah. Patriots. It's not just Tom Brady. And look, Tom Brady definitely won me over as one of the greatest of all time, especially when you just saw it happen when Randy Moss got there. They both individually broke single-season records. The second that Randy Moss got there, Moss broke and broke my heart, breaking Jerry Rice's touchdown record, and then it went to Brandon Marshall. He had 23 touchdown catches that year. Brady had 50, but then Peyton said, you know what, I'm going to throw 55, and I'm going to throw 5,500 freaking yards. So back and forth they go, man. What a story, guys, right? Yeah, no, the robbery is one of the greatest robberies of all time. We talked about documentaries. That's one that can definitely be done there. It could be a 10-parter. Oh, yeah. Manning versus Brady. Uh, they could do it over around the golf. be perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and like Nikki said earlier, I miss seeing Peyton play in his prime, man. Seeing him dissect defenses. Seeing the audibles that he would do at the line. That's another thing. Like, Tom Brady, of course, makes audibles and adjustments, but no one did it like Peyton Manning. No like, doubt. He pretty much could call the whole game at the line. That's yeah. another thing that goes in his favor as far as just watching him play in the high test. Yeah, it's it's something that you just have to give respect to with both of these guys being, you know, they're both top five all time. And definitely, if you, you you know you're picking that, you know, you're just picking needles at this point. You're you're definitely both guys are awesome, but I have to go with Peyton Manning as my goat just from the eye test and seeing what he was able to do being the system. 
that and that's that's the thing again. It, it's Peyton, excuse me, Peyton Manning being the system and Brady going into one and working it to perfection. So again, it's not taken away from Tom Brady like you were saying, Nikki, before, but it's what Peyton Manning did with less. And yes, you can say that last NFL uh, champion, the the Super Bowl they won with Denver, was kind of a gift to him, but he freaking earned it. So I don't even care. All right, he earned it. They went to four. But yeah, some of those moments like you brought up in the Super Bowl in 2009 against your Saints where he throws that interception to Tracy Porter where it's like, I just don't think Tom Brady would do that. But again, when you talk about, you know, don't have to go into dissecting all the numbers. You guys have said it repeatedly in this argument here. Peyton Manning, when he got to the line, he would read the defense. He was must watch TV as a quarterback because he was just like the quarterback, the coach. He was like a math teacher out there. He was everything. And to me, him going against Ray Lewis on the other side was a chess match within a football game, within a battle, within a rivalry. To me, that was so beautiful to watch, like the best mind on defense at middle linebacker, Ray Lewis, go against Peyton Manning, you know, the most intuitive quarterback probably that we've all ever seen in that in that way. Those were great matches in it in itself also, Damian. Yeah, definitely. I love seeing the QB versus linebacker matchups. Um, one that I love watching uh, that we're not going to see anymore, that makes me a little sad, is Drew Brees versus Luke Keekley. Yeah. Those two would go at it. You would hear audibles going back and forth. And Luke Keekley sometimes would get the best of Drew Brees. He would know exactly what's coming. And with live, that's one thing that's really underrated about linebackers is going back and forth with these quarterbacks and their knowledge of the game when it comes to the middle linebackers. I love seeing those battles. Uh, me too. It, it is great. It's it's such a beautiful thing to watch the game within the game. And, and again, the audibles and the chess, it's all beautiful. Love it. So I, it seems like we're all on the Peyton Manning side over here because of what he did with less. We're not taken away from, from Tom Brady over here, but damn, I mean, what, what a battle. And then you throw some guy in there, a little brother named Eli, who wants to mess up the whole freaking party with the Patriots going 18-0 and 0 in 2007. And I'm going to tell you this, Nick, I actually picked the Giants to win that game and I won a lot of money, so I'm very happy. But it was one of the greatest upsets ever. You're talking about a freaking team that's going 18-0, better than the 17-0 Dolphins, whatever, when they did that in 72. This was like the team that you could not beat. And the Giants' defense, what they did to them was such a number. But then throwing Eli Manning in, he was like the one guy that could beat the Patriots or could beat Tom Brady, Nikki, however you want to put it, because he did it twice in the Super Bowl. So biggest stage Going against Brady, Brady lost three Super Bowls, two of them, Nikki, to your boy, Eli Manning. Uh, so, let me throw it to you guys, because I'll, I'll hear the nonsense first. Do you guys believe Eli <laughs> is a Hall of Famer? Go ahead, D. I do not believe Eli should be in the Hall of Famer. I, I think he will get in, but I don't think he should get in. This is why, okay? So, this is... My, it's probably an unpopular opinion, but it's okay. I'm fine with giving those. <laughs> so we, no, uh, yours, is, yours is probably the popular opinion that he's not. Okay. So yeah. with Eli, when you think about a Hall of Fame quarterback, you think about a quarterback who's been elite for the majority of his career, right? So if a quarterback plays for 14 years and they're a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback, they probably were elite for 10 to 12 years of their career of those 14. With Eli, he's had great moments, but was he ever a great quarterback? There was never a time when Eli was a top 
five QB. Never. Mm. There was never a time during his career when he was top five. And he's had maybe a couple years where he was top ten. Maybe a couple, and that's stretching it when you look at his career. And he did come through in clutch moments. He will always be remembered for coming through in those clutch moments and having those great playoff runs. Those two playoff runs where you guys won Super Bowls, he was great in those playoff runs, right? And people like to say, okay, he's playoff Eli. That's what you got to think about the Hall of Fame. But he had other years where you guys made the playoffs, and he didn't perform well. Right. Those other, those other years where you guys were one and done in the playoffs, he didn't perform well. So we can't just forget about those because he has Super Bowls, right? And looking at his his record as a quarterback, it's not all on him, right? We just talked about how it's about defense sometimes, but his record as a quarterback epitomizes his career. He has the same amount of wins as losses for his career, which epitomizes why I call him the best average quarterback of all time. Mm, very interesting. He had great moments, great moments, but for the majority of his career, he was either average or even below average but then had those great moments in those playoff runs. There was never a time where your team was playing against Eli Manning, unless you're the Patriots, where you were like, oh, man, we're playing against Eli today. There was never mm-hmm. a time. You mm-hmm. never thought, oh, man, Eli's going to torch us today. There was never a time where you thought that. And with a Hall of Fame quarterback, you should fear them as a defense. And you never feared Eli Manning being the guy across from you the defense. There was never a time. So for Hall of Fame quarterbacks, they should be elite for the majority of their career. There should be a time where you think of him as a top five QB. And Eli was never that. You can make an argument that he was in the top ten maybe twice in his career. When you look at look back at the numbers. And the only thing that people can point to as far as his numbers is that he's top ten in passing yards all time, which goes more to the time he played in than him being elite. And you compare him to the rest of his peers that he played with during his time. So for me, Eli should not be a Hall of Famer because he was never a great quarterback. Let me piggyback off you there, Damian. Here's the thing, and that you you measure uh, you measure it the same way that I did throughout Eli Manning's career. And I know it's certain errors in you know who you're going up against as the other quarterbacks like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady too that we talked about. But he was never ever in the cl- close in the running for an MVP conversation for a top five quarterback in in the NFC even at some point. So. That was my problem with him. He never performed consistently. He's not a guy that you were afraid of. But the two things that may get him in are his durability and his two rings, obviously. But there's one thing that is that that, that kills me for him, and that's his interceptions. He threw too many interceptions. We're talking 20, 25, 27, 16 a few times, 17, 8. That's too much. That is just too much. And so you can throw all those great big numbers out there that he's in the top 10 passing and he threw for this many yards and had that many touchdowns. But his touchdown interception ratio isn't really that great when you look at it. But he had those clutch moments and he managed to stay the starting quarterback by health that whole time. He was benched, which was crazy for that one game. And that's a whole other story altogether. But that's my thing, Nikki. I agree with Damien where I never looked at Eli Manning as one of the best quarterbacks in the league or really even that close. That's my problem, Nikki. Okay. All right. Thank you, guys. (laughs) (laughs) So, here's kind of the thing with the Hall of Fame. There is no actual set criteria of what a Hall of Famer is, right? Each person who votes, they're just going to go down and they're going to, you know, tick off some boxes. Was this person, did they fill this criteria for you? But let's just talk about basics, okay? 
Yes. Regular season. Is Eli great? No. Did he, he finish 117 and 117? That's about what you would expect from Eli, right? Okay. Postseason performance, longevity, and availability. They do not call him the Iron Man for nothing. Had he not sat for freaking Geno Smith, okay, he probably wouldn't be third with 210 starts. You guys, 16 years uh, the best thing a quarterback can do is be available for his team. This man was available every single Sunday. That is like, could you guys imagine never taking a sick day in 16 years? That is unbelievable hmm. to me. We have quarterbacks who can't even get past week eight without an injury, okay? 16 years this man was available for his team. If you don't hold that in a higher regard, then I can't take you seriously as a Hall of Fame voter because that holds a lot of weight. Okay, fine. Postseason, let's be real. Everybody holds the postseason in the highest regard. If you are going to tell me you believe Tom Brady is the GOAT, if you slay the GOAT twice, which is a very short list, that doesn't do it for you. That is not postseason greatness. Mm-hmm. Oh, can you say that defense won? Yeah, of course. But we're just giving Tom Brady all the accolades. Oh, he had a great defense. He had less pressure. Eli did it with a great defense. And for most of his career, he had a shoddy O-line, okay? That 07 team was way more talented than the 12 team. This man has ice in his veins in the playoffs. And you know what? If maybe, maybe Odell Beckham and crew didn't go on that damn yacht when they were playing (laughs) Green Day, that was playoff Eli. So, you know what? (laughs) All right. So, will he check all the boxes? No. But he engineered the most two historic drives in NFL history. The helmet catch and the strike to Mario Manningham. Now, if you say that he did that based on luck, you obviously have not watched a lot of Eli Manning games because, guys, there was a point in time with two two minutes in the game, the game's on the line. I've heard many people say, Eli in his prime, they are taking clutch Eli. So, mm. Yes, wow. okay. You came so in some he, force. If he's, he's not lucky. What I saw in those drives, okay, was Eli the escape artist. I saw a leader. I saw trust. Did certain things have to go his way? Yes, but you can make that a case for every game and for every championship. So I believe that he will get in. He'll get in based on his postseason run. I don't think he'll get in first ballot, even though he should, because there's a lot of people who probably shouldn't have gotten in first ballot. I don't know why it's so controversial, Eli Manning in the Hall of Fame. Um, If you are still on the fence, I like to bring it back to, if you're writing a book about the history of the NFL, can you write this book and not mention Eli Manning? Mm. Wow. Wow. You can't. You can not write the book about the history of the NFL and not mention Eli Manning. So emphasis on a regular season run versus historic NFL moments, then no, he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. But you know what the craziest thing is? We sit here and debate it. Of all people, Eli Manning probably could care less if he gets in. (laughs) And if he does, that speech will be all about his family and his teammates that were around him to help lead his team to greatness. Wow. Let me me tell you something, and I'll try to make it within 20 seconds over here because we're running out of time. 
You may you should induct him into the Hall of Fame if he does, because that's as, as great an argument as I'm going to hear from anybody regarding it. The the durability, the slaying of the dragon, as you want to call it, or whatever. Yes, you're right. Being there for your team in, in big moments, he did have the two Super Bowls. You can't write the history of the NFL without him. Those are three major points. I'm on the fence with him getting in in the last minute that we have over here, but I do believe he will get in. I believe he deserves to get in. I just never saw him as that great player, Damien. But what Nikki said right there with a little bit more than a minute to go, she made a hell of a lot of sense, man. Nah, it was a great argument, um, but it still didn't sway me because I feel like Hall of Famers should be consistently great. And we did not get consistent greatness from him. We got a few moments here and there, but you never thought of Eli as a great quarterback. And the Hall of Fame is for greatness. It's not for people who were great here or there. It's for consistent greatness. And the only people that are in that are, you do you don't think of as consistent greatness had short careers because of injury. So with Eli, I just can't put him in because he wasn't great. Nikki, make your last 15-second argument over here. If you are slaying the GOAT twice, you are great. Tom Brady can't be the GOAT, and then if you slay him twice, it doesn't count for anything. It's not one-on-one, though. If it was a one-on-one game, you could say that. But the Giants defense, you guys beat Tom Brady athletes about all the team that was around him, and he'll get in there. I'm saying it's Tom Brady can't be the GOAT, and you slay the GOAT twice, and then that doesn't count for anything. How can that be? Uh, That's the killer. It's just not for the Hall of Fame. It doesn't count, but not for the Hall of Fame. Wow. Like I said, this is historic NFL moments. There have been Super Bowls, and then there have been historic moments and historic Super Bowls. And you can't, you can't write it without him. You just can't. Those... Uh, he's, he's definitely in the story of the NFL. Not everybody in the story of the NFL is in all the Fame. You see, here's a guy like like Jim Plunkett for the Raiders. He won two Super Bowls, and he's not in the Hall of Fame. So I kind of liken it back to him a little bit. Now, we're talking about in the 70s with the Raiders, different team, different uh, situation and whatnot, but two similar types of deals where a guy has won uh, Super Bowls, not the MVP necessarily, and didn't get into the Hall of Fame. So some reporters, or however you want to put it, some uh, you know Hall of Fame writers, they don't take that into – into account as much, but I think that one thing they take into account more, like you said, Nikki, is the durability issue of it and the fact that he was there for his team every weekend and available. And it wasn't like he was a bad quarterback, but he was just a little better than average to me. Like like Damien said, the best average quarterback of all time. He was a little bit above average for me and never great. So to me, you have in the Hall of Fame, you have to be great. And I don't think he was great. Well, I think he gets in because let's be real, Manning is his last name, and they are football royalty. <laughs> I should may have a point with that yeah, one, Damien. I said I think he gets in. I don't think he should, but I think he does get in. Ah, oh, it's such a close call, man. It is tight. Oh wow. Ah, I wish we had more time to talk about it here on the third and three podcast. We finally got to the debate. We threw Eli Manning in there, and. You know what? I, something tells me we're going to come back to this again. Nikki was on fire before. I felt the fire and the smoke coming out of my computer over here. She was great. I love you guys. That banter back and forth. I didn't even want to talk. I was like, oh, this is awesome. I let him go. This is beautiful. So, guys, we, we may come back to this one and talk about it more because there is still more to get into. And we'll find out if Eli does become a Hall of Famer in about four years from now. But for now, on this Sunday, we're going to say peace. We are out of here. The Third and Three Podcast. My name is Jason Fearman at Sports Profit One on Twitter. Damien, tell them where you're at. 
I am at the real deal WDA on Twitter, Instagram, all social media platforms, and you can find my podcast, The Real Deal with Damian Adams, wherever you listen to podcasts. No doubt, and it's great stuff. I'm telling you, I'm not just saying it because he's my partner over here. I love it. I listen to it. Nikki, make sure they know where you're at so they can get on you about the CLI Manning stuff. Yeah, come at me for Eli, please do. I'm at Nikki Nick nine three eight four on Twitter and Instagram. You guys, it's been a great Sunday. Thank you for having the debate, and we'll catch you guys next week. No doubt about it. And hey, listen, if you guys are checking it out on the Twitter uh, line over there. We got the greatest male athletes of all time tournament. We keep getting closer and closer. I'm going to put up another one soon. But uh, Jesse Owens, Bo Jackson both moved on. And I think my boy Jerry Rice is about to move on. It's a round three, two. Real excited as we come from 64 athletes. We're down to now about, I think, 14 or 15 left. We're getting there. We're close. So keep voting. New poll coming out real soon. Third and three. We love you. We're out. Peace. Bye.